Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dictinus. Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. Remind me that the most fertile lands were built by the fires of volcanoes. Welcome to Fertility, the 178th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of poet, activist, and fellow They, Them, Envy, Andrea Gibson. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I am Ode's father. Mary Mead. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. You realize we've set this up so that if your mom and I ever are no longer around, you can still do this. Because you can just say, I'm Ode. <laughs> you, may, you may call me Ode and my parents are here in spirit. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> if I remember correctly, like I did write out like a little basic intro to the concept, mm-hmm. but we didn't plan how we would introduce ourselves. Nope. So I'm Ode's father, I'm Ode's mother just sort of happened. It did. Yep. Organically. Yep, exactly. We are now going to go into housekeeping and we're going right. to we're going to have a little break here, a warning and a notice. And we're going to be discussing some current events, which have to do with the uh, the situation in Ukraine right now. Mm-hmm. So if you're not up for that, that's okay. Skip ahead uh, in the edit um, to join us after housekeeping, because this is the only time we're going to discuss it. But we do want to address the topic. So the first thing, obviously, is that um, we are not a news outlet. We do not have any special information. Nope. We're certainly not experts. We're not experts in Russia, Ukraine, or news journalism. We are not going to sort of rehash the events of uh, the invasion of Ukraine, mm-hmm. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I just want to, it, it feels like it would be silly for us to not even mention that it's happening at this right. point. And we want to say, categorically, that we support and stand with Ukraine. Yes. Yes. Yep. This is an unprovoked act of aggression on the part of Russia and we support the people of Ukraine and their mm-hmm. resistance to this invasion. Their amazing resistance. Yes, which yeah. has been extremely impressive, very brave. Car, can you tell us a little bit about their their president? Vladimir Zelensky, who's been the one who has basically decided that he's now a warrior as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually started out his life as a comedian. Yeah, a stand-up comic. Yep, he was a stand-up comic. He was basically the John Stewart of the Ukraine. The U.S. offered him a way out to set up a de facto government in exile. And he said, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition because the war is here. So he's done amazing things for a guy who was a comedian. Right. You know, the guy who's the president of the Ukraine is a former comedian. Mm-hmm. The mayor of Kiev, Vitaly Klitschko, who's a former boxer. So it's interesting because it's like they've got all these people who are like, this wasn't their real jobs, but they're fucking nailing it. 
Yeah. And they've done a, a great job combating Russian misinformation. Russia has a very robust misinformation machine, mm. um, yes. which they've used for significantly lesser scenarios than invading a sovereign nation. Mm-hmm. And it is in full swing right now, which is why I want to be cautious about spreading specific news about Ukraine. Right. And I want to remind everyone not to share anything detailing Ukrainian troop movements. Yeah. Oh my God. There have been people on various social media outlets, such as TikTok and mm-hmm. Facebook, saying, you know, showing pictures and saying, oh, hey, I saw this and that. Mm-hmm. Don't do, not, do that. Do not do that. Do not share any information that you have or that you come across accurate or not about Ukrainian troop movements because it could endanger them. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Google has turned off basically the Google Streets view. Yes. And the Google, where if you're on Google Maps, you can tell how backed up traffic is. Mm-hmm. They've turned both those off unless you have a .uk email address for Ukraine. That's actually been very useful. There have been some reports that Russian soldiers are having difficulties finding their way through mm-hmm. Ukraine because Ukrainian yep. citizens have also been taking down their street signs. That's right. They have indeed. They have, they're making it as hard as possible for them to succeed. This is a war that Vladimir Putin, it's Putin's war, let's yes. be clear. Let's be clear. The Russian people themselves are have been rioting have against been, Have Putin. been protesting yep. and mass arrests in mm-hmm. Russia. Over 6,000 now. Um, so it's not the Russian people. It is the government and Putin. And Putin specifically mm-hmm. wants this war. And he anticipated this war being over in one to four days. We're now heading into day six and uh, Ukraine is still standing strong. That's so. because Ukrainians yep. are amazingly brave and robust people mm-hmm. who are not going to yield their country so easily. So three things I've seen that I want to talk about. Okay. One was Russian warship pulled up on what is in English known as Snake Island, mm-hmm. which is an island off the coast of Ukraine, and told the Ukrainian soldiers to drop their weapons and surrender. And in unison, they told them, they said, Russian warship, go fuck off. Yep. In Ukraine. And, uh, and that has become sort of both a meme and a rallying cry. Yeah. Yes. Two are two things that are completely unconfirmed. And I want to say this up front. These are completely unconfirmed reports. And this is an evolving situation mm-hmm. about which very few people have the full story. Yeah. Yep. The one is the ghost of Kiev or Kiev, uh, which is a fighter pilot for the Ukrainian military who has at this point unconfirmed 10 kills. Five kills gives you ace. You're an ace pilot. There are things going around on TikTok that shows him shooting somebody down. Those are not him. That's actually from a video game from 2009. Okay. But there are reports former from a former Ukrainian president that this guy's real and he has he's up to 10 kills now. And it is noteworthy that Russia still has not, to my knowledge at this point, Russia still has not managed to secure the Ukrainian airspace, which is considered one of the most critical early Mm -hmm. military actions. So the fact that Ukraine has managed to keep its airspace um, open, open, yeah, and and contested is extremely Mm -hmm. impressive. The other one is the Ukrainian Reaper, who is a sniper who, as of, uh, I think, the 25th, so two days ago, had 20 confirmed kills. Now, while this does not make him anywhere near the top sniper in the world or in history, because there was a Finnish farmer mm-hmm. who had 700 uh, during World War II, nicknamed White Death. Yeah, World War, world War II is probably going to hold that forever. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. But to have 20 in a couple of days 
is fucking amazing. If these people exist and they're real, more power to you guys. We're sending you absolutely all the vibes we can to help you all out. And if they're not, it's great for Ukrainian morale regardless. Yes, exactly. exactly. I've got a spell going on TikTok for the Ukrainian people for their protection. Mm -hmm. So if you are on TikTok, please go check that out. It's Gwyn 3-Pack and lend your energy to that spell. I've also got that spell, I believe, in the Facebook group and on my page. Just continue to lend energy to that spell for the people's protection. In the Discord here, they're talking about the Sunflower Lady, so I'm going to mention her. Yes. Um, Sunflowers are the national flower of Ukraine. It is one of their representative symbols. So if you want to do any magic for Ukraine, sunflowers are a good choice. Mm Mm-hmm. But there is a story going around of a woman who had an encounter with a Russian soldier. Side note, all the reports are that the Russian soldiers currently in Ukraine are like untrained 19-year-old conscripts who don't know what the fuck they're doing or why they're there. They don't want to be there either. I do also have some sympathy for the Russian soldiers who are are being ground up in this war machine. Exactly. You know, and it's hard because you don't want to celebrate their death. Exactly. The story about the Sunflower Lady is this... This older woman, Ukrainian, who runs into this Russian soldier and in the course of their interaction, she tells him to put sunflower seeds in his pocket so that when he dies in her country, sunflowers will grow from his corpse. Yep. That's some kick-ass shit <laughs> Which right is there. the yep. hardest and most eco-friendly message I've ever That's heard. That's right. <laughs> Gotta love her. Gotta love her. Go granny. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, and then I just also wanted to add anonymous is yes. in the house. <laughs> yeah, Anonymous has uh, has mobilized they to have mobilized. dox and hack and release a whole bunch of Russian military information. They took down a bunch of their infrastructure mm-hmm. in the government. Including mm-hmm. TASS, which is their number one news agency, mm-hmm. was playing the Ukrainian national anthem this morning. Yeah. And they've also, I, I saw a report that not only did they take down some very important grids, mm-hmm. when something came up to like the backup, they took the backup down as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And Anonymous has also been, presumably also other powers, mm-hmm. have been arranging for Ukrainian broadcasts about the actual atrocities happening in Ukraine, about the literal invasion, to be playing those broadcasts in Russia, where they are not normally where they are normally censored. Yeah. Um, because the Russian media machine does not obviously portray this as the crime that it is. Right. No, they're no. trying to portray it as some kind of act of mercy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a humanitarian you, mission. Yes, a humanitarian mission. And Ukraine is saying, fuck no, get out of our country. Yes. So, as far as the sunflower thing goes, go to sunflowerofpeace.com and you can donate to a former Ukrainian woman who is sending supplies and stuff to the Ukraine to help the people who are affected by the atrocities that are going on. She's been doing this since 2015. Okay. She has a new shipment going out March the 5th. We'll leave the U.S. Okay. So this is a, an established... Yes, it's an established thing. It's been around a long time. It's okay. nothing new. I do also want to caution people. There are going to be a lot of fraudulent oh, yeah. scam charities that are going to crop up in response to this that are just going to take your money. Yeah. Yep. Um, so be cautious about, you know, definitely if you can send money to help Ukraine mm-hmm. and the Ukrainian people, then do so. But just be smart about who you're sending your money to. Yep. yep. Do your research. Yeah. Do your due diligence. But I think that's all we have to to say on the subject. Just we support Ukraine. If you want to do magic to support Ukraine, I think we had an episode on 
doing wards and protections mm-hmm. and things like that. You can find lots of people on TikTok doing lots mm-hmm. of magic. Uh-huh. And just keep getting the word out. That was one thing that I saw the president of Ukraine mm-hmm. was giving keep a speech. Keep Ukraine in your thoughts. Yeah, he, he was giving a speech saying, you know, people who are out there, just ordinary citizens, mm-hmm. keep us in your thoughts. Keep talking about us. Don't just let this story go. Yeah. Because uh, the news cycle will eventually try to move on. Yeah. Yep. But we got to keep it. We got to keep the momentum because these people are fighting so hard. Mm-hmm. And against a war machine that is much, much larger than them. Much, much larger than them. And so they are brave, incredibly brave people. And my heart and my energy goes out to them. That's going to be the end of our discussion of Ukraine. So do you want to know new people who have donated? Yes. To us? Yes. To, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah. continuing to our normal housekeeping normal business. Normal housekeeping. Car, who are our newest patrons? So we have one new kitten. Greetings, kitten. We love you, kitten. We have one new cat, Amber Ullman. We love you, cat. And welcome, Amber. Mm-hmm. We have three new hunters. They are Asipater, best I'm going to do. <laughs> Uh, River of the Dragon Mage. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. And Ivy Rose. Welcome. Yes. And then we have two new tigers. Okay. Trees, if you please. Welcome, trees, if you please. Welcome, welcome. And back to tiger this month is Jim Two Snakes. Aha. Ah, welcome, Jim. We love you. You yes. know we love you. He's our friend. He is. Yep. And we love our tigers. All right. Well, we <clears throat> want to say thank you to all of our patrons, as always, because we love Every single patron who uh, assists us with this, your Mm -hmm. generosity is always, always appreciated. And of course, we love our listeners. We wouldn't be doing this without you guys. All right. I think that's it for housekeeping then. So now we are house kept and And house swept. Yay. Yay. All right. So we are going to be talking about fertility, (laughs) which... (laughs) (laughs) Which usually you don't like to talk about. Yeah. So I'm I'm not, I'm not huge on fertility as a subject in general. No, generally. Because it's so binary related. It is. You know. Especially when you get into like physical procreation kind of fertility. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of, there's a lot of binarism in procreation and fertility. Yes, there is. So it's not a topic about which I have many good feelings. Also, it sets off some dysphoria for me. But it is a relevant uh, subject for magic and mm-hmm. for paganism. Many pagan religions are called fertility religions. Mm-hmm. Wicca, for one. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it uh, is relevant to discuss. It is. Yes. One of the things I sort of looked into while I was doing research on this topic was the mythology around fertility. And what I found was that the academic perspective is that basically all creation stories are um, interpretations of fertility, how a culture feels about fertility and who they attribute generative power to. <laughs> what? Sorry. I'm just thinking about, about all those Abrahamic religions. <laughs> okay. Do you want to expand on that point? No. Well, okay. I guess I'm thinking patriarchy. The dudes think that they got it all. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not needed for this episode. I'll see you guys later. (laughs) No, that is not true. You know that. So tell me more about the academic perspective. Um, It's pretty straightforward, honestly. It it just sort of a a comparative analysis, I guess, of various Mm -hmm. mythological structures. Well, what do they have to say about the mythological structures of creation stories? Um... A lot of them, especially in agricultural cultures, the creation myths have 
a strong correlation to two forces, earth and water. Hmm. Those are considered the the life sources, the the generative, creative forces of the world. Which makes sense because a lot of which we can get into later, a lot of the the festivals, the mm-hmm. you know that are about fertility are connected to farming schedules. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, there's going to be harvest festivals. Yeah, yeah. harvest and yep. planting and all of those. They're all very heavily fertility related. The academic perspective is that the reason that earth and water feature so heavily in creation myths as especially personified as women or mothers mm-hmm. is because to many ancient peoples, women were the foundation of life because... Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. They gave birth to children. Yeah. And yeah. ancient peoples were making connections between the human birth procreation cycle right. and the agricultural systems they were building that had superficially similar structural characteristics, right? Right. That right. you planted a seed in a woman the same way you planted a seed in the earth. It grew, you harvested it, then you had a, 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 a thing. new thing. <laughs> Right. <laughs> something new. <laughs> right. Something new was produced from this process, from right. this union. But I do think it is important to note that the seed is required to be planted. Right. So that the growth and new life and, can occur. And that's often, you you often see uh, the masculine side of the fertility dynamic mm-hmm. represented in the sky mm-hmm. or the wind as something that lies over the earth mm-hmm. and impregnates it. Or, mm-hmm. but like rain is often associated with masculinity and mm-hmm. with and storms are associated with masculinity with that half of the fertility equation because you need the rain to make the fields grow that's right and car what what is that uh that myth of the of the druids with the holly was it no you mean no, with no. mistletoe mistletoe thank you so mistletoe has both white berries and red berries um and the reason why we still stand under mistletoe today and kiss <laughs> is that white berries are the the semen and the red berries are the menstrual blood and combining those two together then gives you birth hmm. interesting so that's why it was important and sacred to the druids right and it was the thing that grew between heaven and earth so mistletoe does not grow out of the ground it actually grows by attaching itself to a tree right because it's a parasitic plant mm-hmm. correct and so it grows from basically from tree to tree parasitically and operates in between the earth and the heavens so it's that middle ground so it's a mistletoe is a bridge correct interesting another thing that comes out of basically the celtic mythology is the throwing of rice or bird seed or something right. like that. That's a Celtic thing? Yes, yep, at weddings. was So it's medieval, so it's a little bit late Celtic. Right. But, um, was that you were seeding the fertility of the couple. Oh. So you were actually like throwing rice, bird seed, or whatever we do now. Right, things um, that would grow. Right, yep, because you were seeding that fertility to help them have a baby quickly. Mm. It's the same reason why we have the word honeymoon. Right. Is that honey being mead, basically, mm-hmm. and then a moon cycle. So warriors would come from battle, get married, and they were given a vat of mead and a moon cycle to get their wife pregnant before they had to go back to battle to repopulate. Which, because mortality was very, very high in the olden days, was Correct. a very important function. I do think that definition of terms is, you know, right, yes. helpful. So fertility definitely does mean reproduction of some kind. Right. Generally, 
the making of babies. Right. We're usually talking about human reproduction, but technically speaking, fertility is also relevant to the fertility of the land, the animal yep. for, for agricultural purposes. That's why we say this land is fertile. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason we use that specific language. Mm-hmm. Correct. Part of that is because we have this association that we've, that we've as humans between our mythologies and our lived experiences. And I think it is very powerful mythology and uh, symbology, especially when you're talking about the wheel of the year. It was not something that was practiced in ancient of days. The wheel of the year as we know it now is a modern construct yes. for Wicca and neo-paganism. Right. It's, but been they, a, it's been more broadly adopted, but it was for Wicca. Right. Yes. But they did celebrate certain festivals and certain times of the year that mm-hmm. met, that was a part of their farming schedule. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they did celebrate getting together, seeding the land. What was that? <laughs> and oh, maybe God. seeding you know one another <laughs> what was the what was god it was what it's one of the holidays that we've talked about what was the one where they would we're, i'm talking a spring oh, festival right, 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 right. Where, the, where the the ladies and the gentlemen go off into the woods to find flowers that would be Beltane. yeah may day yep may yeah, yeah. That's where, they, where they go off to yep. look for flowers to decorate with in the yeah. woods in pairs wasn't that yeah. where the dick bread came in too i think so yeah yeah yep <laughs> <laughs> for Beltane. That was a, that's a saucy holiday. That's a saucy holiday. Yeah. And so you have from February, uh, which is in bulk, you're, you're, it's purification, it's renewal, it's getting prepared for planting, among other things. And it's also getting railed in the woods. Yeah. Well, that, no, that's, <laughs> that's in bulk. And then after in bulk, you have Ostara after in bulk, because that's the beginning of spring. Right. And you go out there and you start tilling the land and getting things ready for the, mm-hmm. you know, to plant mm-hmm. seeds. And then you got Beltane. <laughs> so what you're telling me is in bulk is foreplay. Yes. Beltane is is betting <laughs> yeah pretty yep. much right. and uh star is the saucy in between uh-huh. <laughs> actually i would probably put it as like in bulk is dating okay there Ostara we go is foreplay there we go and beltane is fucking <laughs> for lack of a better Honeymoon. way to put it. right to uh to remove the euphemism yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. but it does make sense in that it goes along with the fertility cycle of both land mm-hmm. and mammal. Right. <laughs> it's interesting how, how people have, you know, taken these very natural cycles of life and created ritual and built up mythology right. and, you know, to explain and understand it better. Right. And to sacredize it. And right? to sacredize it. Absolutely. To take what is a an essential function for the species Mm -hmm. and make it more than a mechanical process yeah so i like what schwann and l say so schwann says fertility of the mind is what i focus on as a non-procreating human and then l says same or fertility of creative projects yeah that's usually where i go with fertility because Mm -hmm. i have zero interest in physical fertility in fact i have the opposite of interest in physical fertility but i think now that we have covered what actual physical fertility because that's what most of the fertility right religion is about again we talked about it's very binary it's uniting of yes it's extremely binary and it's extremely Mm -hmm. it's extremely cis and binary and straight as a rule exactly before we move on there's one more aspect of the physical fertility thing i want to i want to touch on sure there is the the sacred marriage and ritual or magical sex Mm. Mm mm-hmm 
So a sacred marriage is traditionally a marriage between someone who represents the people and someone who represents the land. Mm -hmm. In a lot of modern practices, you see a sacred marriage between like a priest and a priestess. Right. That Which is not necessarily procreative, but is sort of intended to be procreative mm -hmm. to have a procreative energy even if there's no actual like children resulting from the union right it's about connecting lands and peoples mm -hmm. but ritual sex and um, the use of sex and magic are uh, extremely they're complicated subjects right because mm -hmm. there's all the the issues of consent mm -hmm. and informed consent um, and like we've mentioned before like don't do sex magic with a partner who you haven't told you're doing sex magic with mm -hmm. but those can be very powerful forces i think mm -hmm. absolutely well sexual energy is you know regardless of whether it's you know creative or not creative or not is a very intimate kind of union it you do become one in a sense so, you know that is that is very true. And so it does create an incredible energy between two or more mm -hmm. individuals. And between as many individuals as you can convince to participate. <laughs> that's right. And so I, you know, I think it just says that the sexual energy itself is sacred and powerful. And it doesn't have to be about procreation. It can be about unity. It can be about right. coming together. It can be about releasing love into the world. It, it can be whatever it is that you want it to be. And it doesn't have to be hetero. And it, about making babies. And it, Exactly. And some hetero isn't always about making babies That's either. also true. <laughs> it can just be, regardless of who the partners are, what the ritual or the spell is, it can just be about pleasure. Mm -hmm. That is a good thing, you know, yeah. and that's a powerful thing as well. Pleasure and, and harmony and connection are and, very powerful forces. And I think because especially we live in a society, at least in the United States, that's been very influenced by Puritanism and by uh, a mm -hmm. mindset of restriction and restraint. Mm -hmm. We have a hard time understanding pleasure as just a good, just mm -hmm. an unqualified good. It is good to feel pleasure. It exactly. is good to give pleasure. It is good to receive pleasure. And that's because we have been told for so long, because of the patriarchal society in which we live in, mm -hmm. that this is not a good thing. That, right. That that's, the, that's the Puritan influence. Yeah, that's the influence. We've been taught that people who seek pleasure are hedonists. Yes. And that hedonism is uh, an evil thing. Mm -hmm. And certainly there there are ways to make your pleasure too much the focus, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. To... You don't want to be selfish. I mean, right. well, you can be, but you know. <laughs> but there should be moderation in all things, mm -hmm. obviously. And mm -hmm. not everything you do will always be pleasurable at all times. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make the seeking of pleasure or the giving of pleasure undesirable in any way. Exactly. Or a bad thing. Right. Or gross. Yeah. And I, I think that's a thing that is hard for many people. And I, you know, I count myself among them and I am a married woman of 33 years, <laughs> you know, coming out of the Christian church into a witchcraft practice, into a pagan practice, into a culture, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, of people who accept pleasure of the body as a natural, normal thing. Mm -hmm. And seeing the body as something that 
is beautiful. That the pleasure is itself sacred. This The pleasure is itself sacred. That is not something you are taught in the church. So it, it is kind of a, it's a little bit of a culture shock and it does mm-hmm. take some getting used to. And yeah, for some people that are come from, that come from very prudish or very mm-hmm. isolated, restrained. And restrained backgrounds, even saying the word sex mm-hmm. is difficult, let alone the word fuck. Right. <laughs> Which... Which makes it difficult to describe what you want. Yeah, exactly. So vocabulary is the first thing. I had to practice. Yeah, you know, being able to say that without being embarrassed mm-hmm. in the context of which of a, of a normal conversation. Yeah. Elle yeah. says also makes it difficult to talk about consent, mm-hmm. which is true, especially because there are social norms about the need to maintain a, a certain kind of purity or a chasteness. Mm-hmm. So you can't admit what you want. Right. Because that would make you a slut. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Githa says, the idea that I could celebrate a holiday with sex was a complete culture shock. Mm-hmm. Going back to Beltane. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the sex, all about <laughs> all the time, you know. But, uh, but yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful ritual and holiday mm-hmm. that you can celebrate. And Car and I, we renewed our vows on Beltane. Yep. Because yep. It, it's about connection and that's a good thing. So one of the things you said was how many people you can convince. Right. I think that's a bad word, convince. Mm, I understand why you think that. Okay. I think it's how many people who are willingly want to be involved. Right. So rather than convincing, because I think convincing can lead to, especially when there's a dominant figure into areas that are not necessarily cool. That's fair. I don't completely agree, but I don't disagree. Okay. Our Tiger Nicks summoned you to Valhalla Tap Room in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Join us there for a wide range of unique meads, craft beer, and mead tales, which are cocktails built around our meads and inspired by classic drinks like the Mojito and the Bloody Mary. Valhalla also serves handcrafted Italian sodas for kids and designated drivers and offers three unique alcoholic slushies each week. This week, Ode suggests ordering Freya, a peach and elderflower drink to ring in the hoped-for start of spring. Valhalla is open Thursday through Sunday. Find our hours online at norsenectar.com and follow Valhalla Kalamazoo on Facebook for upcoming events. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! And is that uh, in a non-alcoholic version, the peach and elder? No, but I could probably make you one. I want one. Yeah. First, Trees If You Please has a comment. Honestly, any rituals that segregate people by sex or gender in relation to fertility is super triggering to me after purity culture in the church. Yeah. Mood. Yeah, Yeah. I I can definitely agree with that. And that is something that people who have been in Wicca or some other form of paganism for a long time Mm -hmm. can sort of forget. Yeah, could either forget or maybe they didn't come from that kind of a church. You know, they didn't come from a church that was real puritanical. And so that is something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Elle says, even if it's not related to fertility, I still get squeamish. As a non-binary person, also mood. Mm. <laughs> and we had we have discussed before uh-huh. how um, you know it's important to if you're going to lead a ritual to let people know that there are, if there are going to be gendered roles. Mm-hmm. And better yet, maybe let's start rethinking how we do ritual. Right. I did want to talk about how uh, I, I looked into, obviously, the Wheel of Year, which I, I we brought up earlier. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to talk about how women from time immemorial 
have sought out ways to control their own fertility, their own bodies, whether it is to get pregnant, to lose a pregnancy, or to have a safe delivery. And can I make a binarism point? Mm -hmm. Not just women. Yes. Thank you. People. People. Childbearing people? Yes. There we go. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) I'm still learning the best way to to say these terms. Yes. So childbearing people from the beginning of time, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they have been learning and seeking assistance from one another, uh, you know, and they... Sometimes in very dangerous ways. Yes. And, uh, you know, but it was through trial and error of learning of the herbs that would Mm -hmm. assist easing the labor of birthing a child. There we go. And uh, also as abortificants, mm-hmm. you know, the, because it is not just, you know, recent history where abortions have been, where, where reproductive control has been, has been exerted. taken from people who have, you know, should have control over whether or not they have a child. Swan says that a medieval method for um, reproductive control was jumping backwards after mm-hmm. you had sex. But that's the other thing is they also sought out spells. There mm-hmm. are many, 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 many spells for fertility, for, uh, you know, anti-fertility, anti-fertility <laughs> for having specific types of, you know, whether you have a, a particular child, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. This is something that has been part of human consciousness from the beginning when people started practicing magic. Well, and even if you look at a lot of classic folk tales like Snow White, Mm -hmm. the reason Snow White is Snow White, the reason she has the white, white skin and Mm -hmm. the dark, dark hair and the red, red lips is because her mother couldn't get pregnant Mm -hmm. and did a magic spell. She did. (laughs) And she had these different components to Mm -hmm. bring about the child that she desired. Yep. And her name was Snow White. Yes. <laughs> because she had these qualities, these qualities of the components that her mother used in the spell. In the spell, yep, exactly. So I, I think that was very interesting that people have always sought mm-hmm. to to control, have some modicum of control over yeah. their over how they reproduce or don't. Right. And that's the thing is like, you know, people, I think they don't realize, you know, there were plenty of, of individuals who did not want to have a baby Mm -hmm. and sought ways to not have a baby. To ensure that they wouldn't or to get rid of one that was coming. Exactly. For many reasons, Mm -hmm. you know, just as in today, there are many reasons for an individual to want to be able to have reproductive rights, to Mm -hmm. want to be able to have an abortion when they, and if they need it. Yep. And as we know, removing access to legal and safe abortions doesn't Mm -hmm. reduce abortions. It just makes them less safe. Well, I read an article that said because abortions are under fire, Mm -hmm. say the right to have an abortion Mm -hmm. is under fire, that childbearing people are are seeking out magical methods Mm -hmm. as well as herbal methods Mm -hmm. to have control over their reproductive rights. Can I just say that Mm -hmm. sperm producers ought to also do the same fucking thing? Yes. Yes. That's that's uh, an element of this of reproductive rights that are that are often neglected. overlooked or neglected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes two to tango. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And and the reason that I wanted to bring this up is because we are talking about magic. We are talking about re- you know rituals in paganism mm-hmm. that have to deal with fertility, and that can be the absence of right. fertility as well. I, it, we, we often talk about fertility as a as an exclusively good thing, as something yeah. that you would obviously want, but some people don't want it. Yeah. Obviously, I'm one of those people. So for me, magic and spells and rituals that reduce uh, physical fertility would mm-hmm. be more desirable 
than magic or ritual or spells that increased physical fertility. Exactly. I, I think that's important for, for people to understand that it does go both ways. Uh, Swan says, a uterus can produce one pregnancy a year. Sp- sperm havers are limitless in the pregnancies they produce. It's math. Yeah, and I am. Very- exactly. Well, I wouldn't say limitless. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, like there's, maybe yeah. There's there's refractory periods and things like yeah. <laughs> but I am glad you at least from personal up. experience. <laughs> even even people who produce sperm get tired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I am that glad shit that doesn't just happen. Anyway, go ahead. I am glad though that Carr brought that up because I do think that sperm producers, <laughs> as well as uterus bearing individuals need to uh, both be able to have responsibility Mm -hmm. and one should not demand responsibility over the other. Right. Correct. And they should both have reproductive power. Exactly. People who aren't childbearing, but who want children should have opportunities available to Mm -hmm. them to access children, Mm -hmm. right? Surrogacies and adoptions and things like that should be available for people who can't have children, regardless of their their gender, their mm-hmm. sex, anything. And I think all of this of what we've been talking about should be part of these fertility rites and rituals mm-hmm. that are part of paganism. It makes a huge rewrite to those things in paganism. Yeah. Yeah. But it is something that needs to happen. I, I think it would be challenging for some people to think of it that way. But I, I do think it's I do think it would be important to include all those factors mm-hmm. when you are celebrating and it's not even fertility. It's not even just for people who are outside the the binary spectrum, mm-hmm. right? It's not even just for people like me, mm-hmm. but infertile women yes. or sterile men mm-hmm. feel invalidated and excluded from these kinds of rights. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair to them either. And members of the LGBTQ community who, you know, are in same sex relationships, mm-hmm. you know, they can feel excluded. Yep. So I, I think it, I think it's an important conversation to have about how do we represent fertility in the pagan in the pagan space in the pagan space. Do we stay with what has always been, which is the binary male, female, child producing Mm -hmm. kind of representation, or do we broaden it? Yep. Swan says, yes, as a cis woman, admitting I am infertile was a huge blow to my identity. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's something a a lot of uh, more people than you than you are aware of struggle with this. And I think also the opposite happens as well. Right. There are some people who are, for lack of a better term, overly fertile. Right. Yes. Which they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. And those are people that we need to put into the conversation as well. Like, how do we fix that? Exactly. For an analogy that's maybe easier for people to envision, right? It's like um, people who have very large busts, mm-hmm. who have a very large breast size. For mm-hmm. some people, that's very desirable. But often for the people who have it, it's a pain in, in literally the back right. that they want handled. They want reduced in some way. So maybe, you know, it's time to start thinking again about how to change the concept of fertility within the pagan space mm-hmm. so that it reflects all of these individuals and all of these pieces, parts of, of humanity. Right. You I know, think there's, I'm not saying do away with, with particular rituals or, you know, like Beltane. Beltane can be about pleasure. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be about having babies. But I think there's, 
a natural tendency, especially when you're doing things for large groups, to generalize. Right, right. And I think in some ways we have overgeneralized our pagan practices to a degree that excludes large sections of our pagan communities. Right, right. So it is something to consider. And since we are talking about fertility within you know, fertility rites and mm-hmm. magic and things like that. It, it needs to be addressed. Rhiannon Gray says, I like the idea of increasing more of a growing element to ritual. Mm-hmm. Like if you have to split people at all, have some be soil and sunlight and water, etc., and let them choose where they want to go. Oh, I love that That's idea. It. That, that could create a really beautiful ritual. We were going to talk about more abstract forms of mm-hmm. um, fertility and mm-hmm. accessing fertility outside of physical sex mm-hmm. and children. <laughs> exactly. Um, the, I mean, as someone who is a writer, sometimes that fertility of the mind, the creative, trying, impulse. Yeah, the creative impulse, that can be both uh, a blessing and a struggle, you know? Right. Writer's block is when your field is fallow. And- <laughs> that's, that's the curse part. It was when you're like, fuck. A duck? What am I going to write I've about? sown so many seeds and so I have no harvests. Where am I going with this? How do I <laughs> fertilize the soil? Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I think we can channel that sexual energy mm-hmm. of fertility into growing ideas. Right. Because one of, <laughs> one of the things I, I which again, I would, and I did the whole academic perspective on this. The thing that was the binding element Mm -hmm. for fertility in myth was the generative process, Mm -hmm. the process of generating or creating something. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't have to be just generating or creating children or produce or Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. It can also be generating courage. (laughs) Right. It can be it can be generating anything in yeah. your life. Creativity, creative projects. Mm-hmm. Ooh, self-love. Yes, that's a big one. That's a that's big a one. one. Why can't some of these fertility rituals be about self-love? Learning to love who you are, where you're at, and just embracing that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I actually love that too, because self-love often involves a lot a lot of deeper care mm-hmm. and involves having to sometimes prune things mm-hmm. that are no longer healthy for you. Feed yourself with pleasure or with mm-hmm. the kinds of content that enrich you, that make, that improve your life. I like the garden, I think, as a metaphor for I self-love. I, I like that too. I'm going yeah. back to the, I, I'm sitting Rianne, here. I'm still, still thinking, thinking about Rhiannon. I still got to write that garden down. ritual. And, yes, I love just, that. Just such a good concept. And I think it's, it's versatile. It's applicable to so many things. Mm-hmm. And, we do have upcoming soon, we have Ostara, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we have Beltane to look forward to. And these are things that we could put into practice in our own rituals, mm-hmm. yeah, in our feel own, them out. Con- feel them out, put it, put out there. We can have a fertility ritual that is about growing love mm-hmm. in the self, for the self, so that you can then give love to others. And Rannon has put a little worm emoji in the chat and said, that's how you fertilize soil, worms. Mm-hmm. Swan responds, worm poop, more precisely. And correct. And this is something else that I think we need to remember about fertility as a concept mm-hmm. is that it's messy. Yeah. Fertility is a messy process no matter how you go about it. Mm-hmm. It's not clean and sterile and, you know. Pretty. Organized. <laughs> And pretty, yeah. There are worms in it. And, I think, and you need those for the process of fertility. And I think part of the reason we have this concept that fertility has to be pretty, honestly, is because of media that is, right. you know, and, and stories and things 
for generations have been about, you know. Well, and you know how like in, how, you know, you know how like in movies, the sex scenes are always very carefully framed. And part of this is a censorship thing, right? Mm -hmm. The censors don't want you to see a dick. That's until you watch anything from the United Kingdom. Yes. Yep. But but US just media dicks the other day. Yeah, US media, Hollywood <laughs> media, they don't want you to see a dick. So they'll frame the sex, the sex scene in a very particular narrow way that emphasizes the physical beauty of the forms involved right. and nothing else. And so you don't see all the messy parts of the sex, mm -hmm. right? You don't see the awkwardness of trying to figure out where your legs go mm -hmm. and like bonking heads and mm -hmm. all the dumb shit that happens during sex. You take all that out of the equation in our media. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways, because we are ritualizing it, mm -hmm. you know, we do tend to make it very beautiful and, and, it, but maybe we do need to throw a few worms in right? there. Make, make it a little messy. Make it a little messy. Get your hands in the dirt. Make sure there's worms in the dirt when you do it. <laughs> <laughs> like just accept the messiness of fertility and the... And this is true even for the creative processes, right? Like, don't try to channel your creativity, fertility, energy into just like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write this novel now. I'm going right. to bang out 50,000 words. No. That's do, just asking for a, another block. A block, right? So do this the, the awkward sketch thing where you just like, you just doodle around a little bit. This was actually an art thing that I learned in high school because I took every art class that was available to me for four years. How you handle art block, there are two things you can do. One, use a different medium. Use a medium you don't use ever and that you don't know how to use and try to make something with that. That'll desynchronize your anxiety brain from your art brain. The other thing, just scribble. Just make scribbles and see what your brain picks out of it. Pareidolia style. That, again, desynchronizes your anxiety brain from your creativity brain. It's about removing expectations. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Don't have expectations for what the result is going to be. Don't expect it to be clean and beautiful the first time you make it. Do the messy, screwed up scribble work. Maybe. That's that's the fertility process. Yeah. Maybe we need to have, again, need to have that in uh, some of our rituals. Mm -hmm. You know? Let it be messy. Let it be fucked up the first time. Mm -hmm. All of our rituals are fucked up the first time. That's very true. <laughs> Trees, if you please, says, in order to have healthy soil, you have to prune away what isn't working anymore. If the traditional concept of fertility doesn't work in our practices, we let it go and amend the soil. Yep. Well, I think that's so. I just watched a, uh, oddly enough, TikTok video of uh, growing an avocado from hmm. the avocado pit. So you take the pit out of an avocado, you put it in a thing of water where it sits above it. And the first thing that happens is it grows down into the water. And the second thing that happens is it grows above the pit. But before you plant it in soil, you have to cut back. You have to actually cut the leaves off the avocado plant. So you just have a stalk and then you plant it. Because otherwise it spends all this energy on those leaves. Mm -hmm. Correct. And yep. not on the roots. Yep. And not on growing the rest of the plant. Mm -hmm. yep. And that you should trim it back every time. If you ever watch like sugarcane growers, right? They grow sugarcane, they cut it down, and then they cut it to nothing and burn it down. I used to live in South Florida, and we I would drive out into the middle of the state, which admittedly is not very wide. You can go <laughs> across it in like, you know, three hours. Sure. But you would drive out, and you would see like fields of just burning sugarcane, which smelled like shit. But they had to literally do that every time so that they could plant new sugarcane. It was the only way that it would grow again was to get rid of 
all of the shit that was there. And quite honestly, I think that's true in a lot of people's lives. Yeah. Is they've got to get rid of the shit that's already there in order to be able to grow again. The quote that I started this episode with, volcanic soil is the most fertile soil on earth. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that's just how our world works. The, the carbon that results from volcanic eruptions and forest fires, catastrophic events, mm-hmm. terrifying, apocalyptic, natural phenomenon is some of the most fertile soil on earth. It takes time, mm-hmm. right? It takes time for that land to regenerate. But when it does, it is the greatest, most fertile land we have. Your mom and I are old enough to remember when the volcano went off in Washington state. Mount St. Helens. Mount St. Helens. And it 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 made the land around it completely barren. And 10 years later, they have 40-year-old trees. 10 years later. Yeah, this happened it happened what in the 80s? Yeah, it happened in the 80s. So they grow so much faster. Oh, that the rings? That the rings rings even, so the growth cycles are faster. Right now they can tell the difference, but back then, these are now 40-year-old trees. (laughs) Now we can tell, you know, how fast the rings grew because of all, you know, science has gotten better. Right, we've we've advanced our understanding of tree rings. So Matt St. Helens, I think, was like, 87, 88, 86, somewhere in that in that range, maybe 89. And then 10 years later, they went back and they're like, oh, these are now 40-year-old trees that have grown up in 10 years because the soil was so rich with everything the trees needed that as soon as the wind blew seeds over that were workable. Right, that were still viable. Right, they just you know, grew so exponentially fast. Accelerated. Yeah. Yep. So sometimes it's better to burn it all down and start over. Sometimes you need destruction before you can have creation. That's true. That's why these are linked processes, both in our mythology and in our real world. In Summoning Spruce, Josephine Swell lives in a magical community pinched between forests healing from clear cuts and a logging town gone bust. Freshly dumped and living back at home, Swell has accepted a job with the Rose Council to follow up on a, any illegal magical practices within Council's territory. But when a body is found inside the boundary of the woods, the fragile treaty between those who protect the forest magic and loggers is tested. Swell must follow a trail of deadly magic to find the killer before the home she loves is cut to the ground. Summoning spruces are Tiger's Trees If You Please magical eco-fiction and is available for pre-order at summoningspruce.com. It releases March 20th, just in time for the spring equinox. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! And I'm looking forward to reading that. That sounds very exciting. Yes. I do want to take a couple of minutes to talk about what you can do magically if you are interested in fertility spell work uh, for a variety of reasons, for, whatever for they whatever may be. For whatever purpose. For whatever purpose. And some of the obvious things to use would be seeds, right? dirt, right. water. <laughs> huh. Imagine that. Um, in fact, I've often, I, I love to do the spell where you plant a seed. And it's a long-term spell. You, mm-hmm. you put an intention on that seed. You plant it in your little bucket of soil. Mm-hmm. And um, you put it in the sun. And as it is growing you put energy and intention and care into that spell as you tend the seed and then the seedling and then the plant. So that's a, a wonderful method right. of, of uh, 
doing a fertility type spell, whatever it may be for. But if you have a black thumb and you cannot grow plants, <laughs> maybe don't do that one because it will be discouraging. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other option is to get something that will, it's going to bloom no matter what you do. And uh, I, I really love those hydroponic uh, tulips mm-hmm. because they're just bulbs. Right. And they bloom on their own. All you have to do is stick them in a window right. <laughs> and make sure that they have water. It's great. Um, the other thing is eggs. Yes. Eggs are like the primo fertility symbol. Exactly. And you could, whatever you need to use that for, you could use it raw, use mm-hmm. it hard, whatever. You could write a sigil on the egg. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of, of things that you can do with eggs. Yes. For many, many functions, which I think is interesting because the eggs we get are unfertilized eggs mm-hmm. because that's why we eat them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it, but it is you... mostly unfertilized eggs. Right. Well, like, think of it this way. Remember how you did that apple spell for me? Yes. Right, when I was ill. You could do something similar. You could, because it's, you know, you already know there's nothing fertilized in that egg. You could hard boil it. Mm -hmm. You could color it to whatever your intention is. You could put a sigil on there with your intention. Mm -hmm. And then after, you make sure you keep it in your refrigerator so it tastes fresh, please. (laughs) And then after you're, you know, you've a day or two or right. however long you want to however incubate it takes. your spell, not too long, you could consume that egg. Yes. Eat the egg. Especially if it's something that you want to birth within yourself. Mm-hmm. Take the fertility into you. You don't have to just eat the raw egg. You could turn it into egg salad, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and just, but there's all kinds of things that you can do. Mm-hmm. The primary colors for fertility are brown, green, and red. Although you can use pink. I've used pink. True. You know, for depending on the kind, honestly, whatever color that you, I, I feel like whatever color matches your intention, use that personally. Rabbit says spells and snacks. Heck yeah. Swan says egg salad with other herbs in it too, like basil and dill. Yes, absolutely. There is actually a, a specific kind of basil, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, that is associated with fertility. You can use bird seed in a spell. Or if you have those, those little wildflower seed bombs. Mm-hmm are good for for fertility work yeah that's another thing where you don't have to worry so much just you can go to uh-huh. go to the store and get one of those things that say grow your own and they've already put it all together in the kit all you have to do is add water and sunlight yep. Yep. and make sure you water it you know occasionally occasionally yeah. or uh just throw some dandelion seeds out in the yard and they'll handle it <laughs> themselves trees if you please says one person in an online witchcraft group mentioned placing the intention of peace into sunflower seeds mm-hmm Absolutely. You could share those too. Also, anything you want to do with rabbit magic, because mm-hmm. rabbits are very fertile, as Absolutely. we know. Absolutely. <laughs> and rabbit is, you can seek out that spirit energy of rabbit, mm-hmm. and uh, you don't have to have an actual physical rabbit. No. You could have um, an, a stuffed animal, mm-hmm. you could use a picture, statue, you know, whatever you want to use. And, you know, with... Elle says, Lolias, please don't buy a live animal just for a spell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, especially since rabbits are, are actually more involved pets than you may think. But do you know what? We have a lot of rabbits in our yard, or at least we did before mm-hmm. we had more cats move in. I actually did spells uh, during 2020 mm-hmm. with rabbit spirit. With rabbit vibe. Because we had so many rabbits in our yard. Yeah, you may have wild wild rabbits in your area yeah absolutely and so you can just vibe with you can vibe with it same with squirrel i do the same mm-hmm. thing you know don't approach the actual animal because no. it's wildlife but exactly vibe with the spirit but you can vibe with the spirit of the animal uh or for that matter you can eat, to go back to spells and snacks you can eat a rabbit stew 
That's true. That would also. Right now, people, you know, they're, the, the stores are getting set for Easter. Right. There's, There's going to sh- be a lot of fertility imagery. A lot of fertility yeah. imagery in eggs. Out and about. And rabbits and baby chicks. Yeah, go get one of those um, chocolate rabbits and use that for a rabbit spell. Or, or a peep. Peeps. Yes. We, great minds uh-huh. here thinking alike. Carguin at the exact same moment had the peeps thought. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's there's so much out there. Take that imagery and use for whatever your intention of growth mm-hmm. is. And if you're not a green thumb, nobody said you can't use a plastic plant. That's true. Or you can get one of those... Like those little moss things. Mm-hmm. They have those little like chia pet things. That chia you just, seeds. Yeah. Chia chia those, those those <laughs> things you don't need to be good at plants to grow. Nope. I think all you have to do is add water. Yep. You can even get probably a chia that's shaped like a rabbit, and then you could double up. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are intending during Ostara and during Beltane to do any kind of fertility work, remember it doesn't have to be about actual reproduction. Mm-hmm. It can be about anything having to do with growth mm-hmm. renewal any of those kinds of rebirth right generative yeah processes generative and regenerative also just as a, a side note rabbit is also associated with going fast mm-hmm. so if you do uh rabbit magic and you don't want it to go fast maybe also include something that will slow things down <laughs> I would say if you want something that's going to take a little time mm-hmm. and you want it to grow you want to go with more of a plant energy go with more of a plant energy than a rabbit energy because mm-hmm. rabbit go fast. But if it is something you need now, go with rabbit. Go with yep. rabbit energy. Absolutely. Yep. Car? If you want to find out more about three pagans and a cat, you know what you can do. You do. You can fucking Google us. <laughs> that's it. You'll find everything. Just look it up. Quit being fucking lazy. Type it into Google. How do they Google this car? At uh, G-O-O-G-L-E dot com. And then in the search bar, type in the number three and the letters P-A-A-C. And that'll get you everywhere you need to go. That's yep. true. That is very true. And and Finn has showed up just in time to say Google it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We love you, Finn. Fuck you, Finn. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Come visit me on TikTok. Come all visit right. me on Instagram. Come visit me on Patheos Pagan. Quinn's doing all those things again. I'm doing all those things again. And I'm having a shit ton of fun on TikTok. Do I'm for, just saying. Do fertility work for, for TikTok creativity energy. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> Goodbye, all. Goodbye. Goodbye. Have a great week. And don't let the stuff that's going on in the world bother you. Just take a breath. It'll be okay. Yeah. Stop doom scrolling. Your anxiety is not activism. Focus on the things you can do and let the rest of it go. Yep. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.